As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. The Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. I uh, dirty dozen got the week twelve almost all the way through. <laughs> kind of now we're getting into the it really feels like the home stretch, the final third of the season. But Thanksgiving always feels like a new little like boost into the last part of the season. Especially when you break up the games. We had a Black Friday game, which is going to be new. I actually, I actually didn't mind it. I mean, I know I just the timing, and I'm not saying the game actually how it played out but the actual what that game will consist of on black friday football i I didn't mind it but i'm overall doing very well how are you robert the only reason it annoyed me is because i always go to the movies on black friday and i was staring down napoleon and it's two and a half hour running time and there was just no good way for me to make it happen because i had to do some sort of physical activity after thanksgiving and just my schedule the way it fell i was a little frustrated by it but i'm feeling okay i think that thanksgiving gives a jolt to the nfl schedule it does not give a jolt to me uh this is the first day in the last two or three that i have not consumed just a copious amount of butter so i'm feeling better today but it has been a pretty heavy weekend over here at our house i've had yeah i basically had three thanksgivings so that was great did you (laughs) did you see killers of the flower moon I yes. did see Killers of the Farm. Okay, because yes. that was a long run time. I'm excited to see that though. With the with the child, it's yeah. We have to pick and choose our spots. We used to be a weekly movie movie fairing bunch, so we have to pick or choose our spots. Three and a half hours, a long time. That's a long time to ask one of the grandmas to watch. So uh, we, we, I can't wait for that one to come out on uh, streaming. Well, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Something that topped Killers of the Flower Moon today in running time was that wild Eagles Bills oh, game that we got that. I mean, it's a season-changing game, I think, obviously, for Buffalo and what they're staring at in the AFC playoff playoff race now, but also just the type of team that the Eagles are, their ability to kind of fight through some of these mucky games, which you've consistently seen from them. Where do you want to start with Bills-Eagles? When you think back on this game in May, as we're thinking about what it meant in the NFL season, where do you think you'll land? Oh, man. I think Josh Allen's performance and actually what how the Eagles offense performed in the second half. Uh, I, I think they really came together. I, it was a tale of two halves and a tale of two RPOs. That was kind of how this game went for the Eagles. It was they, their RPOs were like their, what is such a huge 
plus in this offense, what carries them for a lot of their lot of stretches and where they, where they go was kind of like a hindrance to them. Um, the interception was a RPO that went wrong. A the um, fumble was a, the botched handoff was an RPO that went wrong. But then the second half, they kind of separated it, and the Eagles ran some straight run plays. Mm-hmm. I would say the first play of the second drive of the second half, yes, I nailed that, was just a straight run play, and DeAndre Swift went just gone because they were just taken away from, okay, hey, Kurt Hurts, which is, we, we have juicy run looks. This is what Mahomes had to go through. This is what Josh Allen had to go through. All these guys that use RPOs, they had to learn, hey, let's just hand it off. Especially those when are, it's wet. Are, you're just asking for oh, trouble with yeah. all the ball handling questions. I'm, I'm totally with you. And the numbers yeah. bear it out. So uh, in the second half, in the first half in this game, they averaged 3.8 yards per play. In the second yeah. half, it was 6.8 yards per play. And the yeah. juicy run looks are the best place to start. That run to Swift at the beginning of the second half, I think, really yeah. signaled the change in what they were going to try to do. Because the looks were there the entire game. We'll get to what Jordan Mailata said on the quarterback draw there at the end when they won the game. But even before that, I was shocked at the amount of light boxes that the mm-hmm. Bills were playing in this game. On first down in this game, the Bills had six or fewer guys in the box on 72%. Of the Eagle snaps. Just for context, no team in the league is above 56% on the season. So they were daring them to run the ball, which makes yeah. the first drive with the three straight dropbacks so problematic. But as soon as they committed to running the ball and then play action, those were the two things. Running, play action. All their big plays in the second half, I can't think of a single straight dropback, maybe outside of the third and 15 chuck to OZ. But mm-hmm. on first and second down, Fake screen to Devontae Smith, play action crosser to Devontae Smith. They were just hammering them on runs and play actions throughout, and it was the right way to go about it. It changed the entire complexion of the game. Yeah, they they had to do it because the first half it wasn't working, and it, it was just really some just misread plays. That's what it is. They like to read it RPO or just the run game, and just sometimes Jalen Hurts got fooled, or he was just kind of assuming some things, or he was just really in the first drive. They the first play of the second half. They ran an RPO and he just doesn't throw the slant to AJ Brown. And I, I thought that he just battled back, of course, as the game went along. But the, um, even when they did the RPOs, then he read them correctly. They did, they, they hit a slide to, uh, stole in the red zone that went mm-hmm. to a nice, for a nice play. And then the RP, uh, AJ Brown touchdown, uh, was also an RPO, which was, I love nice that play. Mystery. I, I, yeah. somebody, I saw, like, I the remember, I too. sorry, I'm not going to be able to credit who it was, but it was, a. Uh, a well-followed high school coach who does a lot of scheme stuff, and they were calling it a pick-and-roll RPO. Essentially, A.J. Brown kind of sets a pick for the tight end coming across, but then he rolls back to the quarterback, which is – it's beautiful the way it unfolds. But that's another great example where it's all based around the run game, even the ways they were throwing the ball in the second half. Yeah, and the Colts ran that a ton today too, that exact same combo. So, And we used to run it with a sprint out on shovel – because we stole from North Turner too. So it's how funny how North Turner stuff just gets matriculates down into what we do see what the Eagles are doing today in the red zone, but it works for touchdowns. Yeah, the Devonte Smith touchdown. They ran the exact same formation, AJ Brown, number three, Devonte Smith and number two, one by three formation. This one, they put Devonte Smith in a little short motion outwards. And then they just run a, a bubble pump earlier mm-hmm. in that drive. They ran a zone bubble, but again, Jalen hurts gave the ball. And they got about six, seven yards on it. So again, they just made it give reads and they were just telling them, just hand it off and it's going to work out okay. There's some disjointed play calling, I thought, a couple times, maybe at the end of the game. And I think sometimes that is where I, I a lot of the frustrations with this Eagles team 
on the offensive side, even though they just keep putting up points, has I felt like the same kind of song that we've sung throughout this throughout this year is run the ball. Is when the times are going tough, just run the ball. You have a plus 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 run game. Just lean on it, and sometimes they just kind of lose their rhythm. And I think today they found some rhythm that second half. And also they're picking on Rasul Douglas a little bit on those play action stuff. They they know that he wasn't really falling off on everything, so they just kept hitting Devontae Smith behind him a couple times and in the run game as well. So I thought they found it, but I feel like they can find it earlier. And I think it's always ending up being the same answer. It's so funny that we always expect them to find some sort of answer over the course of the game. We just get yeah. frustrated about how long it takes every once in a while. But this was the perfect game to just lean on the run game because yeah. you're light boxes. Sloppy, they're like playing you zone almost every single snap because yeah. they're going to make him read it out. And rather than do that, it's like, all right, well, if you're going to let us run it, then we're just going to continue to run it. So it absolutely worked out in the second half. All this being said about the Eagles' yeah. consistent ability to find answers on offense and kind of pull things out in the end, which they have done consistently over the last two years they're one or two bills missteps away from losing this game because of the way the bills move the ball on offense and specifically the way that josh allen played i know how this is gonna go because this is always how it goes he throws the pick on the trap coverage in the second half and that is going to be talked about to death because it was a high profile interception he was incredible today he was insane today he accounted for 22 first downs in this game okay okay He added about a touchdown worth of EPA on scrambles. He had 61 yards on scrambles and about five points of EPA as a runner. He affected the game in every possible way. And for the most part, over the course of the first, I don't know, three quarters, it really did seem like he was just in fuck you mode and he was not going to allow them to lose this game. And then one, two, three bounces of the ball and we're here again. And the Bills are 500, and it truly does feel like their season is starting to slip away. Man, and it's just that offense. Okay, so the defense, this is what the Eagles did in the second half. They went punt, touchdown, 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 punt, field goal, touchdown. So that's how the defense played. But then the offense, you watch Josh Allen. This is this is weather tailor-made for Josh Allen. This is where his traits shine it's through. It's insane that he was playing this way and throwing the ball this way in a downpour. It shouldn't Sling make it in sense. the rain. He was in uh, the touchdown to Diggs before the end of the half was truly him playgrounding, like playground in the pocket because that was a second window read. And he's supposed to throw in the first window and he just hangs and he's not supposed to go there. I He had two answers. He had a crosser underneath and it's, I think Donkey Gates at a boundary and he just waits to the second window. He was truly going, I'm willing this throw and this touchdown right now. He That was truly throwing a guy open because he waited to the second window and puts it on him. The whole the whole sequence even before that, because there was a turnover right before that, I believe. They had the drive. Before that, his two-minute drive was insane. Yeah. Like the third and six, steps in between two rushers, hits the route to <laughs> Stefan Diggs, hits Kincaid with Bayard one-on-one, hits a wheel route. Like he hits several wheel routes today, like as the – Eagles corners were dropping like 20 yards deep and he's still hitting them. It was just, yeah, he was insane. This was the perfect weather game for him to just showcase what he could be. Even on the drive in overtime, he had two third and nine conversions. He had the missile to Gabe Davis over the first, on the first one. Oh yeah. Where it looked like he was trying to stick it in his face mask. And then he had the scramble to the left. And if there's not a slight miscommunication with Gabe Davis, where he starts taking it back to the back corner instead of taking it straight up the field. And I understand why he did that too. And that's what stinks. It's like, Gabe Davis isn't like completely wrong. It was just that he picked the lesser of two answers. And that's what stinks. And it's like, I get it. It's just, that's what happens when you get heat up. Joe Brady's reaction in that moment oh. it was 
just classic. And I'll, I'll remember him sitting there and he kind of sits back in his chair for people who didn't say it. And he goes, oh, my God. Yeah. Because they knew they had it. They yeah. knew they had it. If, and if that play is completed, that's a touchdown. And they are probably on their way to really making a potential run or kind of squeezing their way into the wildcard race. And now that becomes much more difficult. Before we dig into kind of the bigger picture implications here, have to shout out what Jake Elliott did in that oh moment. God. We don't talk a lot about kickers on this show. A 59-yarder, that one iron that he just spanks <laughs> just over the crossbar. And that is one of the best kicks I have ever seen. In yeah. that situation, when it, they were moving backwards because of the very weird Jason Kelsey penalties on that drive, where he gets two false starts for flinching, which yeah. it's almost like he your little like, brother, like here's two for flinching. He did it twice. I, I, that was such a weird set of moments, and it does not matter because Jake Elliott bangs that thing home in a game oh where goodness. Tyler Bass missed two field goals. Yes. So the the kick the difference in the kickers ends up becoming a huge moment in this game, which just feels right for how this Eagle season and how this Bills season has gone. Yeah. And just oh my God, the as soon as he boomed it, that thing like it tailed right and then it just like it went on a straight line. Like you said, that was a one iron. That I've seen Tiger Woods hit that same shot. I don't know if it was a, <laughs> I don't know if it was in the rain like that, but uh, I, I think the this Eagles team has gotten challenged by the class of the AFC, even if the Bills have been you know kind of beaten up recently, and I mean they just find these answers and it's because they have a kicker that can kick that stuff. It's like someone steps up every time with this team. It's like you know their Eagles, their players on defense will step up at big moments. Slay had a couple big plays, so it's like they, that's again they just win with this kind of sheer talent. Everyone steps up. It's like yeah, have they gotten a fluke? I don't know. You feel like some could go the other way, but it's like they're still only have one loss. It's like pretty ridiculous what they keep doing every single week. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to be tested down the back half of the season. There's yeah. no doubt. They got a lot of these coming in the second half of the year, but I'm consistently impressed with their ability to kind of find something in these close games. And no matter who it is, no matter how they do it, no matter which side of the ball, it consistently keeps coming up. Any issue with the AJ Brown incompletion? I know people are going to be talking a lot about that over the next 24 hours or so. That felt like an incomplete pass to me. I I have no issue with the way that they ruled it. It just seemed like the right call in that moment. Yeah. No, no, I understood why there, it was again, the classic, like whatever it's called on the field. They probably roll with that. Like, uh, yeah, I, I got nothing with that. So now the Bills sitting at six and six, they are the ten seed in the AFC. Crazy. They are behind all those teams that are six and five right now. I mean, you can list them off. They're behind the Colts. They're behind the Texans. They're behind the Broncos. And you'd think, all right, they're only one game back of the Steelers and the Browns, right? Mm-hmm. Something, well, game and a half because they have they've they've played twelve games. They have a bye next week. They're a game and a half back. They're two back in the loss column. The Browns' offense can, just is going to be an issue for the rest of the year. We'll see what happens with the Steelers. We'll talk about them in a little bit. I don't think that the firing of Matt Cannon necessarily solved all of their problems offensively. You know, the Colts are, we'll see, you know, they've been a really good story, but are they a team like the Bills? Probably not. You feel like because of how good they are, especially on offense, they'd be able to make up some of this ground, but the schedule they continue to have to play is brutal. I mean, they have the Chiefs here in the back half of the season. They have the Dolphins again. They have the Cowboys on December 17th, and they play against the Chargers, who for all of their ills, it's not going to be an easy game. So it's just such a tough road, and it really does feel like it was this game that could swing their season back the other direction and coming away with a loss when it felt so often over the course of the day that they were outplaying them that they were going to win this game is just an absolutely heartbreaking way for this thing to end. 
they 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 needed a buy more than almost any other team said that a couple of weeks ago. So they're finally getting that. But how this defense played last week, they got the again the Zach Wilson boost. But then again this week, I thought they played inspired. I thought they played smart. I saw the spine making a lot of good calls and checks. You know, the talent won out, of course, with the Eagles' offense. But I thought for two and a half quarters, two and a quarter quarters, that they played really good ball. And again, it's the offense made a couple. Ah, they just don't get all the way over the top, even with Josh Allen just going berserk and having some nice designs. But it's like they're going to hang in these games because I thought the defense did play, in, like, again, inspired ball where I feel better about them. Remember a couple of weeks ago where I was like, ah, not how I see yeah, them right I, now. I know, I know what you're saying, but at the same time, the fact that they could not get a stop down the stretch. No, is no just, absolutely not. It, it's, it's just, just again, I'm yeah, with you. No, that I, th- I think that down in and down out, I would have felt better about them moving forward. But for yeah. them to have that game that they had on offense and put up all those points and still lose, right. I, it just it, it feels tough. appropriate based on how the defense has played for most I, of the season. No, and uh, all right. One scheme thing to wrap this up, though, it was pretty cool by the Bills because it was a great like baiting the Eagles into a check to the uh, to get it. It was the design QB run, uh, Josh Allen touchdown. Uh, it was out of empty. It was just the you know, QB draw. Both teams did this big play today. Was the QB draws on both sides of the ball out of empty? Uh, but they baited this play because they started with Stefan Diggs in the backfield. So the Eagles went well. Screw that zone check. Okay, you know, we're not going to mess with that man coverage. And then they motion Stefan Diggs out and get into empty. And then he gets into the QB draw. So it was like baited that zone check out of it. I was like, that was nice. I like that. And then, you know, Josh Allen just carries Fletcher Cox into the end zone to score a touchdown. So it's like that, that puts it over the top. That's the cherry on top. But nice little design there. I like that in the red zone. Last thing, quarterback draw wise, Mylotta comes out after the game and says, we cannot believe they were in that look. Like we do this all the time in this area of the field. We cannot yeah. believe they were in that look. And again, just kind of a strike against what that defense has been for the most part oh. it, during this season. And the fact that it was that juicy in the biggest moment of the game, again, after yes. they rip off another swift run into one of those light boxes, just consistently frustrating. And and they played it well earlier. They played the QB draw. It was a different look. It wasn't the, the empty one that they got to. But yeah, they show that all the time. It was in last year's Super Bowl. It was the week before against the Chiefs. But it was the perfect snapshot of this Bills team. They do so well, and then they lose their heads right at the biggest moment. And like they bring a blitz in that moment. So yeah, it, it was just they lost their heads again. Don't want to have to do it now. I mean, there's no reason to kind of dig their grave when there's this much left to play and this team is this good. But there's a discussion to be had about this era of the Buffalo Bills and the, the door potentially closing. Your Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer kind yeah. of built team that really rose this team up from the ashes, made them relevant, made them consistently a contender. It does feel like that stretch of Buffalo Bills football is slipping away and has slipped away potentially with them losing this game. But we'll have plenty of time to dig into that. It's time for you to have my attention. Let's get to it. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Every week, there's so much stuff coming at you during an NFL Sunday. We like to pick out a couple games, moments, themes that really grabbed us. Not as many games today because of Thanksgiving and because of the Black Friday. I love the six yeah. games during the early slate, made it a little bit more palatable. But Jaguars, Texans, just as a game, okay, you have my attention because that mm-hmm. saved us in the early slate. Without much else going on, Jags-Texans was more than enough to keep that thing entertaining throughout as we had to live through Panthers-Titans and Giants-Patriots yeah. and everything else that was going on. But that was a hell of a game in Houston, and I cannot wait to watch these teams play against each other a lot more here over the next few years. You know how like teams will claim you'll know, be America's team and all that? That felt like America's game. 
That was uh that that really felt like it felt like I, all of us that's were together. It's adorable that you think that. That was the athletic football show game. You think some random football fan who's like a who was like maybe a, who's like a huge Seahawks fan was like, man, I can't fucking wait to watch Texans Jags today. They should. They, they should, should, but they, I think I think that you're getting that's a little bit overexcited there. To, to pound the to pound the table, but no, I, bet, I meant more that it's because it wasn't just like a ton of juicy game slate. So it's like a lot of people going like, maybe that Seahawks fan was going, well, I guess I'll watch this. You know, a lot of teams, you know, oh, I just Forty Nineers fan just oh won that game. What else can I check out? Ten a.m. game. Oh, let's see what this Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud are all about. They are on a Thursday game where they were in terrible uniforms, but it was two very good quarterbacks going at it. Yeah. <laughs> that's first and foremost. Uh, I think that's very apparent. Anyone to watch both exceptional moving in the pocket. Even if Stroud took four sacks, he was phenomenal. It could have been in the twice pocket. that. It, it could have been three times twice that. that. <laughs> I, I thought one of the stories of the game to me is that we were talking about the Texans front and how they had come on a little bit over the last three, yeah. four games. The Jags front consistently outplayed them in this game. And I also yeah. thought that Trevor had more time in the pocket than I thought he yep. might coming into this game. So I thought the Jags won up front on both sides of the ball. And it was a very, qu- not even a quiet, but it was a subtle, Im- it had a subtle impact on this game. It made a yep. difference over the course of four quarters for why the Jaguars ended up winning. Texans running backs ran 11 times for 32 yards yep. and 14 of those came on one play. So wasn't that that they had a twenty two percent success rate on early down runs in this game twenty two percent and as much as this team can chuck it and boy do they they do want to throw those jabs and that that kind of helps keep them on schedule it's part of the formula it's like they want to do that because they want the heavy boxes we talked about this in the preview show it's just yes you you have to figure out the right mix of it like you can (laughs) it can go too far in one direction or the other but overall it's the type of team they want to be and the comparison that i think is easy to make is there have been years where the niners haven't been super efficient running the ball on early downs but it's who they are and ultimately when it comes out in the wash playing that way makes you a more efficient team the texans yep. led the league in epa per drop back on first down in part because of the boxes that they see in those situations every team that we can think of uh, this offense is offshoots every good and bad it's the struggles or the boon in the run game uh, the McVay Rams with Gurley, you know, uh, even with the Packers teams with those Rodgers winning MVP years, it, it's those were the run games. They had fun run games going, you know, with Aaron Jones and Aaron Dillon going. So, um, but Stroud just was putting the team on his back. <laughs> Having said that, uh, put, put, I mean, just unbelievable again because of pressure. I mean, creation. I, I compared my feeling or what I wanted to say to was, you see, I'm sure you have Lost World Jurassic Park. And Jeff Goldblum <laughs> has his daughter and she does the little gymnastics trick and kicks the velociraptor. And he goes, they cut you from the team. And I, I just, that's watching Stroud run around. Like they didn't think you could create. It's unbelievable. Like, that, that's his touchdown to tank Dell running left. He throws, I, I couldn't believe how quickly he got that off. I was like, Ooh, this could be a tough one. I could see, I could see what he was seeing. And I was like, Oh, let's see how he gets to this. And he was like, boop, boop, touchdown. I, I couldn't believe it. How quick. He got that moving to his left. It and the was, other touchdown that he threw to Nico Collins, he steps up in the pocket and finds him late in the down coming yeah, across yeah. the field. And there was a play on that drive where he finds Tank Dell for the touchdown that to me was my favorite play he had all game. First or second down, I can't remember. But there's pressure again pretty quickly. Mm. He steps up in the pocket, drifts to his left a little bit. There's a crosser coming back to his right. So he has to kind of reset and then throw yeah. back to his right. And the placement and the touch, everything. The yeah. Watching the guy play quarterback is insane. 
Like he oh. is so, so good already at all these little things. And each week there's like a new little present when you open the game. And this week it was the creation stuff. This week yeah. it was him making plays off schedule, him extending in the pocket, him extending out of the pocket, him making a couple of plays as a scrambler. Every single week it's a new little layer and man, is it fun to watch. It is. The, <laughs> I did think one of my favorite moments though, it is actually, it was actually the Jags defense getting after uh, Stroud was he kind of came up limping. Uh, on a play, like he kind of, ah, like a little ankle kind of thing. And the very next play, Caldwell, Mike Caldwell, he dialed up like a huge blitz and just like overwhelmed him. It was a third and six. But even though Stroud took a sack on this play, I thought it was pretty cool because it just kind of showed where his brain was at. He tried to like reverse out of this and he took the sack like behind him. It was like a third and six late in the game. And on it, he was going to throw hot, but he saw Andre Sisko bearing down, which is a great play by him. So he's like, okay, I can't throw short of six. That's what they want me to do. I just thought he, having the wherewithal to know I'm hot. So I know something's coming from my backside. So I'm going to try and circle out of it. He got caught. Yes. In it. But it was like the fact that he was aware to do that is pretty sick. Like it's pretty awesome stuff. Like, was that again, the play this- where they did the full slide to the right? Yeah. And so then, and they and left then the, Josh Allen untouched, then, which yes. I, I didn't protection wise. It feels like the wrong choice in that moment. Would you agree to leave him on, to leave him unblocked? Well, they're they're hot, so you have to pick one way full slide. So it's up to okay. I don't know if it's quarterback or center there, but it's preference sometimes. Some guys want to not throw into the a pressure. One of the guys was going to come clean on the edge, so it's up to you. you to do pick. we slide okay. a full left? Yeah, do you throw into the pressure? Some quarterbacks prefer that, or like you know work around it. Like Lamar prefers that, or, or Herbert prefers that, or do you push it into the pressure and then have a guy on your backside and try and beat him with a throw? So it's just a preference thing. So. They got gamed up. That's what I was saying. It was yep. pretty. Caldwell, Caldwell, Caldwell's bringing blitzes, and Stroud caught him a couple times. But then, right at the very end, they kind of caught him back with a couple of those blitzes. It, it was end. it was a back and forth. I mean, there it was, was a great. play where awesome he, game. I think he he hit Collins on a slant where the anticipation was phenomenal, but there was a safety coming late, and he saw it. It was a third down. He saw it a mile away. He hits yeah. it. It's a big completion. So I thought that back and forth, and we talked about that in the preview show, yeah. what that little matchup would look like, the blitzes and kind of the complexities that Mike Caldwell can throw at you and what Stroud has done against the blitz. So that was very cool to watch. I know that people are going to ask about the officials and some of the calls in this oh, game. Boy. And of course, there were some rough ones and some really kind of ticky-tack plays where it's the defensive holding, the pass interferences down near the end zone. There was one of the biggest plays of the game was a not called pass interference that led to mm-hmm. an interception. Like mm-hmm. this is my stance on this. This will continue to be my stance on this. There are always going to be some brutal no calls, some things you disagree with over the course of a game. For the most part, this stuff comes out in the wash over the course yes. of an entire season. And in this game specifically, you can argue that it came out in the wash in this game. That should have oh, been yeah. a pass interference on that Ingram interception. So if that doesn't happen, then the Texans probably aren't even in spitting distance over the course of this one. So I don't have an issue. I'm not going to linger on how much the officials impacted the final outcome of the game. It's a, again, it's, I, I feel like, like you said, it evens out over time. It's just the game and clock management stuff that I'll lose my mind over. Like what happened in the chargers game tonight and Ravens game tonight. <laughs> but it was, but that is what makes me lose my mind. This is like you said, it just, it happens. It happens. And they were going after, I mean, the Jags offense was going after Tavier Thomas <laughs> on purpose. Anytime in man coverage, if you're wondering why Christian Kirk caught all those over balls, like before the half and on the first drive or early in the game, it was because anytime in man coverage, that's who they were attacking was uh, they were going to attack the slot in some way, shape or form. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the official stuff just always 
I do want to talk about the Jags' offense, though, before. before a couple. I, well, so let's talk about the Jaguars because yeah, okay. you mentioned the crosser. My yeah. favorite thing the Jags did in this game, we talked about it after last week. I wanted to see them continue to be aggressive, pushing the ball downfield on early down play action. And my goodness, were they in this game. Five yeah. of seven for 124 yards on play action on first down. 0.88 EPA per drop back. For context, Ooh, yeah. highest in the league, typically around 0.2-ish, 0.22. So we're talking four times a Patrick Mahomes on early down play action, 17.7 yards per attempt. And just think in your mind all the all the examples. Ridley on a huge one. Kirk on a huge one. They had a little boot to Brenton Strange that went for a chunk gain. Uh, Luke Farrell had one. Mm-hmm. So consistently on first down, they were being a little bit more aggressive. They still ran the ball a bunch for not a very efficient day on early downs. But you mix it in with those seven dropbacks, five huge chunk plays. I mean, those are a lot of the best plays they had today. Yeah, and a lot of a 12 personnel and 13 personnel, they're really leaning into it, and that's what a lot of those play action came out of. The The boot to Luke Farrell was kind of like, yeah, that's per- that's exactly what this offense is leaning into now. <laughs> Just heavy personnel, bootleg, shot plays, and check downs. They were in 13 personnel the second play of the game, and they went empty, and you know he attacked the middle. It was basically like if they got zoned, they were attacking the middle. If they got man. They, I guess we're attacking the middle, <laughs> but, but it was Christian Kirk bigger crossers, yeah. but bigger crossers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that uh, big moving routes or on the outside uh, that Calvin Ridley got targeted a couple times in man. And yeah, I just thought they had a good game plan. Uh, Next gen stats, I think tweeted this out, which was on uh, throws that tra- travel 10 or more air yards. Uh, Trevor Lawrence went seven for 11 for 180 yards. So it was just like, he was pushing the ball. He was attacking again over the middle and at first, I was getting frustrated by some of the side to sideness. They had that that Travis Etienne swing screen route they did it design twice one. on third and long early in the game twice, and, the, and then they popped one late. And I kind of got why they were doing it because they were trying to put Toa Toa on an island and make them really run side to side the linebackers again. But it was one of those where it's like one missed block and that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> so didn't work out twice, but they got the third one there. But I can see I. Again, I, I, I'm liking a couple of weeks in a row now what the Jags are trying to do. It's been really good for them, and I think this is so sustainable. I, some of the routes that Calvin Ridley ran in this game, just oh, absolutely beautiful. disgusting. The one that he hit against Eric Stingley, I think it was third and six on the right sideline, and he stems inside and then brings it back outside. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful throw by Trevor at the sticks on third down, which is a huge play in the game, and then down in the red zone. The touchdown and the two point, he's just going to work down there. Shredded him. So it is fun to I all I want with him within this offense, just give me him off the line of scrimmage a little bit closer to the formation every once in a while, because that's what I want to see. I want to see him just be able to have two way goes and go to work on dudes in space rather than just working outside the numbers. And so them using him the way they have over the last couple of games. You can see what he can do. Like, this is what he is capable of within this offense. And he really gives them so much juice when he's not George Pickens. I I just, that's not what I want. I don't need him to be that sort of player. Again, he's a route runner. He, oh man. Okay. Trevor, we just gushed about Stroud. Trevor is fantastic today too. We also want to make sure that we, Trevor Lawrence, want to make sure, emphasize that. And his chemistry with Calvin Ridley sometimes can just be, they missed on a go ball, went right off of Ridley's hands, but it was just like the release and that ball, but it was still just like, oh my God. Like there, uh, Tr- Trevor Lawrence had another throw where he's breaking to the right and they complete it. 
I, I can't wait to see the end zone view of that one. They had a terrible replay of this one where it just barely beats a DB jumping over. But again, they kind of had this mind meld working and you can see glimpses of it and flashes of it. But now again, it looks just so much more like this feels real. Like this really does. So that Texans team is not, that defense is not easy. Like they're not the toughest unit, but they get after you. And the fact that they can just do this kind of stuff week in, week out, and they're finding different answers. Calvin Lee being one of them. It's like, it's pretty good. It's this, this is good for the Jags. Last guy I wanted to shout out, Josh Allen had a really nice game again, and it would have been a really good season for him. So he comes unblocked on the first sack, but the sack he had in the final minute to kind of push them back behind the sticks when they missed the field goal, he just beats Laramie Tunsil on that play. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I think he had double-digit pressures again in this game. He's been really, really good for them all season in a contract year, and he consistently showed up in huge moments. First, First drive of the game, he gets a holding call. He draws a holding call on the first drive of the game. So just all of these little ways that he continues to show up has been really important for this defense playing the way that it has. Yeah, they they kept gaming, uh, running him games with somebody else or, or with a linebacker blitzing. Yeah, a little kind. Yeah, they're get, yeah, and they're getting Tunsil and the running back is because okay, tackles and guards work together, centers and guards work together, tackles and running backs don't really work together on picking up uh, picking up games. So that was I, I like that from the Jags. They were sprinkling that in today. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's keep rolling here. Next one, the AFC wildcard race. You have my attention. Uh, we don't want to focus on one team or one game here because so much happened today that's going to have a ton of impact on how these playoff spots end up shaking out. The Steelers beat the Bengals, moves, that, moves them to 7-4. and four. The Browns lose to the Broncos, which drops Cleveland to 7-4. and four. The Broncos are now 6-5 and five and very much yeah, in this thing. Huge win for you. This Huge. Is, this would be the funniest shit in the world. If you picked the Broncos to make the playoffs, they had that start to the season. We were laughing about it when yeah. they were getting 70 hung on them. Barnwell tweeted this today. They got 70 hung on them in that game against the Dolphins. I'm pretty sure they've given up 80 points since. Hey, pride. Pride's a hell of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it really it's is. Part of shout this. out to my shout out to my uh, 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 preseason number seven pick. Yeah, seed seven pick. That's really really funny. So part of this, and I, I, I we might as well throw this out now. It's like one of the is it seventy points since then? Is that real? I, I'm probably mis misstating that at some point, but they they're whatever. They they've given up not many points since that happened. So. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's over the last like several games. I don't know what Barnwell was talking about. Oh, it's 80 during their five game win streak. Thank you very much, Bauer. I'm sorry. I'm misreading Buddy's tweets in real time. My favorite thing about the Broncos. So th- the stat is absolutely wild. Their defense, while it was historically bad, it's been better. It's not great. 
Okay. Yeah. They're, they're 25th in defensive success rate since that Dolphins game. They have added 53 EPA on opponent fumbles since week yeah, four. Turnovers. 53. Okay. There is a bigger gap between them and the team at number two, which is the Giants, mm. than the Giants and the team in 28th. <laughs> that, helps. that is how much value that they have created on turnovers. However, it's happening. Okay. We, yeah. we can talk about this game specifically in a bit. They have put themselves in this conversation. They have. Texans are six and five. Texans offense is going to lift them in these moments. Colts are six and five, and the Bills now are six and six. Where do you want to start? Which of these tree? Which we just talked about the Texans a lot. Okay, so which of okay. these teams' non-Texans division do you find most intriguing on this list right now? Oh, most intriguing. I would say the Broncos in their own weird, <laughs> weird, terrible. Like, all right, just let's, a, all right, let's lean into this. What grit, about the Broncos? Gritty way, um, because they have found their formula. Uh, I think on offense and defense, the defense, the, the stat I had looked up was since their mini buy, they had that Thursday night game against the Chiefs. So then they had a little 10 days until their next game. And they're about league average success rate, but they're fifth in EPA per play and defensive EPA per play. The Dolphins are first, by the way, Dolphins defense. So. So kind of what we're all seeing right now, but uh, they've given up they, plenty. They, of the game to they the, played on on Friday night helps, or the Friday uh, afternoon yeah, helps. Think? Just oh helps a little God. bit. Black Friday, indeed. Uh, but they're seventh at pressure rate, like so they're getting some stuff. Oh my God, they whacked ETR today. That, that, that was, that's that one, was of one of the biggest hits I've hits seen in a long ever. time. I mean, in a long that's, time. Yeah, that's that's one of the hardest hits I've seen in a long time. And this I era saw of it coming football. too. That was my first ever varsity experience with James Laurinaitis doing that exact same thing to me, caving uh, your yeah. chest in. Uh, well, not well. That exact hit, though, sprint out to the right. He had a full head of steam, and just yeah, just yeah, that was it. That was it for my first experience in on varsity. Uh, but they, but I really think the run game's turned into a real strength, like in a fifty-one and a half percent rushing success rate today against that Browns team that had been phenomenal uh, in yeah. every facet on defense this year. Chunk plays through the air and run the ball. That's how you have to beat that Browns defense. It's tough, but they can run with three guys. They have three legit backs that they can just pound the rock with. Some different flavors with them as well. Kind of like big, bigger. And then very, very tiny, like kind of a funny little trio right there. But then they have their gadget player. You know, they got Mims, kind of gives them a little juice in the run game as well. And then they have Cortland Sutton and Russ have a fun com- chemistry together. Like they can get some shot plays and he's running. Like Russ is running. Russ the ball is a making bit. today specifically, he made so yeah. many plays with his legs, whether it was plays off schedule or as a runner. Like him getting this little bit of juice back to be able to move around the field the way that he is. Yeah. I did not expect this to happen. Right? No. I did not expect this version of him, even a diminished version of him, but something that resembled the guy we knew to be back this season in this capacity. And it's really given them a shot on offense. It is. I mean, they were, le- they're leaning into the read place. Like they had a whole drive where they ran like five of them. Um, he kept a couple. He had one where he, they ran it like where they could flop it, and he ran like a nice play right up the left uh, left sideline. It was a zone read arc play, if you want the exact term, uh, <laughs> out of split back looks. If you that's want like, the, like everything, old, like, Greg Roman, Colin Kaepernick. Shit. It was, that's exactly what it was. That, that's exactly it. Or um, Rich Rodriguez, West Virginia, if you want to go college right there. But uh, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that's that's Owen what they needed to do. That's that's what Nathaniel Hackett did wrong. He wasn't running the Pat yeah. White offense for Russ. That's what it is. It's the, that was Owen Schmidt leaning up right up there on the sideline, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone uh, under the age of like twenty six is just not having a good time right head-butt- now. They're headbutting some helmets right now, but uh, no, but he, but he scrambled, but also like the little 
uh, like Sutton had the uh, big play early, uh, one of the first drives, and on that, it's it's a bl- it's a man coverage look where the Russian fives, uh, Schwartz likes to do that, and Russ is kind of quasi scrambling, you know, right in cursive, like that's how I like to say in the pocket, you know, it's just <laughs> that's what he does. Like honestly, if you look at the dots, it's just like it's right in cursive in the pocket, oh, but it's kind of that. It's that Rogers bounce around the pocket where he's buying that little bit of time for Sutton to just keep working, and then he hits the big play. And it's like this kind of works. Like this kind of this offense is working. Like it, they hit big plays through the air and they pound the rock. It's they found something that really works for them. And I, I'm really as I watch it, I'm like, this is, seems sustainable again. On the other side of that game, I'm pretty concerned about the Browns. For as good as the defense yeah. has played. Denzel Ward misses this game. You can tell that Denzel Ward misses this game. A couple different yeah. things. You bump Greg Newsom outside for stretches. He gets a PI. They're going after the backup corner. And then Miles Garrett, now who knows how long he's going to be Shoulder out. Right. If you saw that after the game, he was in a sling. Yeah. He said he hurt a pop. He continued oh, to great. play through it over the rest of the game. But they start losing pieces like that from this defense. The offense has no shot right now. They have no shot. DTR comes out. PJ Walker comes in. As much as they want to scrape this thing together with gum and toothpicks and however else we try to describe these sorts of offenses, that's possible in a world where you have the 2020 Browns supporting cast, where Conklin's playing, where Wills is playing, where Nick Chubb is playing. You have this ability to move the ball in unconventional ways. Even with a staff that I think is very creative and typically finds ways to survive, we've gotten to a place where even that doesn't seem feasible with the players that they have on that side. No. I have zero critiques of what the Browns offense is trying to do. That, that Put it that way. When I watched them against the Steelers last week and then watched them this week, there's nothing where I'm like, why don't you try this? It's like they're trying every answer. It's not like watching the Jets. Can. No, it's not. They are trying to be as creative, as gadget plays, as safe plays, as training wheels as possible. Even the dropback plays or, the, the like I said, the day one – or I said this a couple shows ago, but a day one staple plays. But again, that's something DTR can read out. They're trying, but this is what their makeup is. The defense is fantastic, but if you can get run on now and games can keep that game script within reasonable measure the entire game, it's like that's just too hard to, again, gum and toothpicks 20 points every single week. So now with these teams kind of nipping at their heels, it really does seem like they might fall out. The Texans play the Broncos next week. Another one of those oh. games that seemed like it would have been totally forgettable. Yeah. Even in week three, where it'd been like, ah, who Kubiak cares? Bowl. Texans, Broncos. And now it's a monstrous game in the Huge AFC game. wildcard race. So those two teams play each other. So one of them will fall to six and six. One of them will go to seven and five. We'll see what happens with the Steelers and Broncos or see what the Steelers and Browns. How do you feel about Pittsburgh right now? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was kind of the, they're uh, God. They're such it's, a weird it's, team. It's, man. it's a perfect response. Like I don't. There's um, not. There's there's so much that is like the most pregnant laugh I've ever heard in my entire life. There's so much oh, in that laugh and that pause. God, like the, their offense. Like again, the run game is trying to find answers. Like whoever's calling plays right now. I, I want to compare them to Rogue from X-Men, where they kind of just – every offense they touch every week, like the Steelers do, their offense, the Steelers' offense steals a little bit, like steals a concept from here, steals a concept from there. Like today, th- today, they stole a play from the Bengals, which I thought was hilarious because I could see Tomlin and the Steelers' defensive coaches going like, hey, this play is good, and them going, yeah, let's install it this week. What else do we got? 
Uh, because like the Najee Harris touchdown was again, the Rams play that they took, which is like, good, like good. It's good stuff. Like once we talk about the Rams later in the show, but again, it's Allen Robinson as the power slot blocker, but it's this defense is just like frustrating at times. Awesome. At other times, like can absolutely maul you. And like, you're just like, Oh my God, no one could ever move the ball on this defense. And at times frustrating yeah. again, where you're just like, they give up a huge play and you're like, what are you doing? And then the offense is the offense. They can't throw the ball consistently. And the run game is better. I will say the run game is better. So this is the post first game in the post-Matt Canada era. We were going to talk about this at some point. We might as well do it now. Okay. Yeah, let's just do it now. That's they nice. had 400 <laughs> yards. They hadn't had 400 hey. yards in 50-something games. Congratulations. You, they had 400 Ooh. yards. They still had a 39% success rate in this game. It's not so like they were consistently dollars. moving the ball. The, yeah. Their two biggest plays, I, tell me if I, if this shocks you, let me know. A go ball down the right sideline to Deontay Johnson. No way. And, and what was the a, other one? And then a slot fade to George Pickens down the left yes. sideline. Those are the two big plays that they had in this game. I will say, yeah. adding Fryermuth back into the mix uh, matters. Yes, great call. Right? So he yeah, had totally nine catches him. in this game, and yeah. that as an intermediate option as a receiver is something they really did not have without him in the lineup. And I think yeah. that led to them attacking areas of the field that they don't typically attack. He was, he, Kenny Pickett was 12 of 15 for 134 yards on throws between the numbers today. Okay. Okay. Coming into this game. So we're in week 12. They had 113 attempts between the numbers the entire season. Okay. Which is the lowest in the league. Uh, Yeah. Easily. Easily the lowest in the league. Easily in the lowest in the league. And the one area where this was also a little bit different today, they had nine play action dropbacks. Which is the most that they have had in a single game all season now that Canada is gone. They had 61 of them. They have 61 of them all year, which ranks 31st in the NFL. I think the first play was an under center play action to Fryermuth, or at least their first big play. But it was, that's the play I think they stole from the Bengals was just, it was the, the pop pass, you know, turn, like turn. Uh, quarterback under center, turn power, you know, fake the power, trap pass, whatever you want to call it, but just the tight end working over the middle. You know, Burrow hits that a couple times uh, uh, now recently, so it's kind of funny that I know he's out now, but that you can see they took it from that offense. So um, I think the Friar Moose shout out, it's a great call because you can tell he trusts him working over the like working those stick routes it's like if you're gonna stick use route and game, he threw a seam ball i was like this is incredible yeah. i can't i've never seen this in this offense this year but if you're gonna run quick game that much you can't just threaten the outside yeah. running quick game is you have to threaten the middle you have to threaten between the hashes much less the numbers so getting a tight end that is a good athlete it does some nice things so that, i think that's a great call that at least gives him something joey porter jr versus jamar chase by the way was fun they they had him shadowing him so i wanted to watch more of that because uh, that was interesting I don't know. I don't know how much of the Bengals' offense I'm gonna be able to watch over the rest of the season. It's oh, just gonna make know, me too sad. sad. I even two watching of their biggest it today. Pick sixes. I uh, the, the I you t- I, you tweeted it, which I I knew you were gonna <laughs> notice this. Two of the biggest plays they had on offense today were tipped balls that should have yep. been intercepted that Jamar Chase yep. caught. One it's, would have been a pick six for sure because it was like for full momentum going the other way. <laughs> The only thing I that is worth mentioning about the Bengals, because I don't want this to become the discourse around them over the course of the rest of the year, where we just say, ah, Joe Burrow's hurt, whatever. Right, right. This is a good opportunity to really kind of sit back and look at what kind of team this is as far as roster construction goes. Yeah. They, they're going to be picking a lot higher than they typically would. This is a tackle-laden class. Yes. You pick a tackle in the first round of this draft. 
Like, I'm, I gave him a tackle. I'm, I'm not living with this anymore. Okay. Jonah Williams, I know he was a first round pick. They bump him out to right tackle. You draft someone in this draft that you can just pop there at right tackle and have that be it. Hell, draft a guard in the second round. I don't care. Like, this is a moment where you can really be honest with yourself about what sort of personnel you have up there. And I think that they absolutely should. So that's a part of it. And their defense continues to struggle. And the fact yes. that the Steelers had their 400-yard game today, and that was the first one they've had in a while, their defense continues to struggle. So we're not going to bring it up all the time. They're not a team that I think is going to be relevant enough to discuss a lot over the next two months. But I don't want them to just get a pass just because Joe Burrow is not no. playing. No. The other pieces got to step up. And I actually think Jake Browning does – runs the offense well enough that others can be assessed if that makes sense like that, that like as far as offensively so again like he's going to handle the pocket enough so even the offensive line could get assessed that way it's not just the burrow magic running every single play but no i think that's a fair assessment of the defense because i've just i've just noticed like it's just like it's just what you can do in the run game against them has just been really shocking to me and it just doesn't feel like they they get enough big plays and over the middle of the field teams have been cooking them tight ends have been cooking oh, them fine Logan oh, Wilson yeah. got burned, or he got called for PI in this game. They were attacking all the stuff them. All the over routes, yes. yes. It, it, and that, that's the safeties, too. You know, it's the spine of the defense is what we were concerned about coming into the year with them losing both of those guys, and it has continued to be an issue. DJ Turner also had a rough game today. He got, he got burned on the go route. Deontay Johnson roasted him for a touchdown that should have happened. He didn't control the ball to the ground. So just stuff to keep an eye on. The last thing, that I, I don't know what to make of it, the Deontay Johnson non-effort on the fumble. Just was he tweeted about it. Too. Kind of shocking. Yeah. I, I, he was just like, get him next time. Is that what he said when he tweeted? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to make of that because the report came out. I think it was this morning. Adam Schefter said that there was the fight in the locker room between him and Minka Fitzpatrick last week. So I don't yeah. know how much is brewing under the surface there. Something to keep an eye on, but a little bit surprising when you consider what the strengths of this organization have been under Tomlin. Yeah. And for the most part, they've been able to keep all of that stuff in house. We didn't hear a word about Antonio Brown for like six years. <laughs> That's a, the greatest coaching job ever was Mike Tomlin keeping all that stuff. Is, 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 am I wrong? And, I mean, and, <laughs> no, you're not. I, it's just like how you said that was just, that was just like a great point of emphasis. It's like, we didn't hear about that. It's like, yeah, that's exactly true. And they're the fi- they're the fifth seed right now. And it's not like they're like, you know, like they have a losing record and they're falling apart. It's like, no, they're actually playing good ball. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Be, I'm not gonna do the. Oh, who can catch who, and how's this gonna shake out? Because it's just a losing battle. It's, it's a mess. Not, it's not yeah. worth putting that on no, tape on November 27th because I'm gonna be no. wrong in two weeks. The last thing we have not discussed as part of this conversation. How are you feeling about the Indianapolis Colts right now? I'm. They're well coached. I'm feeling good. That okay, defense all right. is frisky. So is it? Is that it? Is it? I yeah. got some good vibes around this team, or this it's team can make good. the playoffs. Good vibes, as opposed to I think they can make the playoffs. I think okay. the defense is gettable, and I think it's Gardner Minshew. That that that'd be my like, but I do think like they he, just he, he ran was gettable a few different times today. <laughs> yeah, they, they ran multiple oh my picks, God. couple dropped picks, and they ran about forty RPOs. Like every RPO you can think of, they ran today. And I mean, it worked. Like smoke them if you got them. But it's that I I just thought like he's a reminder. It's like oh yeah, oh yeah. But I do like what they're doing. I I'm very Colts, you know. Two thumbs up what the Colts are doing <laughs> right now. But if they make the playoffs, sure, why not? But I just think they're punching above their weight a, bit, a little bit right now. Yeah, I tend to agree. The The offense has been, I mean, insanely watchable compared to what it could have been great. without Anthony Richardson and at this stage of their building process. So, I mean, that was 
them playing as well as they have, even though the underlying numbers are not as impressive as some of the big outputs that they've had, what they consistently do is interesting. It's fun. It's creative. Even the couple fourth downs that they had today, right? So you have Michael Pittman lined up close to the formation on a fourth and one. They know they're in man coverage based on the motion that they run. And I think his guy was in the run fit. So he has to defend the run. Pittman sneaks out to the left. Huge completion. Big time going for it on fourth and one near midfield. Again, design coaching decision. Points for Shane Steichen. Later in the game, another fourth and one near midfield. Heavy, heavy, heavy play action. Great ball handling by Gardner Minshew. Finds Mo Ali Cox for a huge play down the field. Oh, yeah, that was great. So they just, they're consistently doing that kind of stuff where yeah. you notice the play as you're either watching the game out of the corner of your eye or flashes on red zone. It's like, oh, okay. All yeah. right. Like that, that's kind of how I feel about them right now. Like that's where that's I exactly. sit with this team. Even if I do feel like all of this is house money and they're still one, two, three steps away. Yeah. And, and oh, man, if they had, you know, they're, top five draft pick quarterback right now, I'd be singing a pretty, probably totally different tune maybe, but that, but that matters when you're especially talking about the AFC playoffs and seeing who else is just looming right now. But again, I, I love all those examples that you brought up because that's how it feels. It feels like, all right. Yeah. They always come up like the Browns game a couple of weeks ago. It's like, Oh my God, they're just scoring again. Another big play. All right. Here's Jonathan Taylor. Just running another touchdown. Oh, Zach Moss. Sure. Why not? Michael Pittman, another crosser for seven yards. If you <laughs> the king of the eight yard game, Michael Pittman. But it's, the, the, I will, here's what I'll say. Every great. single guy within the offense is the best version of himself right now. Yeah. Michael Pittman, what they're getting out of Josh Downs. Think about the yeah. way this offensive line looked last year and the way this offensive line looks now. And that's all you want with yes. a new staff especially an offensive-minded staff where that's supposed to be his calling card when he comes in, all you want is to be getting the most out of the pieces you already had yeah. on the roster. And that's exactly the what they are doing right now. Yeah. It, the How I feel about the Colts' offense right now, really – but the thing is, it's like same defense – well, defense coaches there. Yeah. And they are playing inspired ball and playing good ball and playing like just – again, their pieces make sense. But how I feel about the Ravens' defense and the Colts' offense is similar everyone's getting used to their fullest potential and getting used in exactly how they should be used. It's like, that. again, what is that? What is that? That's good coaching. And yeah, that's what the Colts have right now. Colts remaining schedule. Beller put this in to the little rundown. I think you did it for a reason. At Tennessee. Okay. At Jake Browning. Okay. Versus the Steelers. Ooh. At Atlanta. Ooh. Vegas. Uh, Texans. Oh. Oh, those are some... Some potentially juicy games. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird. It's a weird situation with these teams all kind of muddled up here. So it's just. But I'm not throwing them out. I am so, not saying this is fluky. That that's uh, the most important thing I think of all of this. Absolutely yeah. not. I, I think right. again, the good vibes this and the good legitimate. feelings. It's just about whether it extends to them making the playoffs or them just being kind of a warm and fuzzy story. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. We're still cool, man. We're still cool. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. The Patriots lost a game today in which the other team essentially could not move the football. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Giants had a 26.4% success rate. It was negative 0.31 EPA per play. For context, the Jets are averaging negative 0.24 for the season. It's one of the worst five seasons in the last 10 years. Okay. You're, we're talking like Josh Rosen Cardinals at point, negative 0.24. The Giants were negative 0.31 today. They averaged 3.1 yards per rush. Tommy DeVito was sacked six times. The Giants had 10 first downs. They won the football game. Somehow. That is where the Patriots are right now. And this really does feel, at the end of it all, all of the back and forth, who's going to start a quarterback, what's going to happen with the Patriots, what's going to happen with Bill Belichick. There are so many looming questions about the future of this organization. I think we have one pretty definitive answer, and that is that the Mac Jones era in New England We have shut the door on that. I would be very surprised if we saw him again after the entire week that unfolded and him getting yanked at halftime. This isn't him getting yanked in the fourth quarter of a blowout. This isn't even last week when they pulled him later in the game. This is him getting pulled at halftime. So this really does feel like the end of an era for a guy that was picked in the middle of the first round and at least during his first year as a starter looked at the very least like a functional NFL quarterback. And now, two years later, three years into his career, as a guy drafted in the first round, it feels like it's over. And I'll swear he, he, there's still a competent quarterback in there until I shrink into a corn cob. Like they, they, they have ruined this guy. He is broken, they, dude. He is broken. absolutely broken. It is hard this, to watch him play. This is a psycho competitive guy who I, I really, I, I truly do think he understands the game and sees the game well. I, I love his pre-snap stuff. I, I love and I, how he usually can progress. And he is a, you know, he's got a little Duke basketball player kind of, you know, competitiveness to him. Uh, I'll, throw, I'll put it that way. A little Grayson <laughs> you Allen. You mean people think he's a dickhead? Yes, that's, that's, <laughs> that, that might be it. Might be some, you know, Ty Cobb cleats in the air going on with him. But you see him kind of just throw balls and just shrug his shoulders. It was like, you got this psycho competitive guy shrugging his shoulders. Like what happened? You're so what are you guys right. You're so right. Every, every time he threw the ball in this game and it was Whatever. more than three or four yards downfield, it feels like he's like tucking away as he throws it. That yep. there is just such a detachment 
in the way that he was yeah. playing the position this season. The numbers on it are insane. He was one of nine on throws of more than five air yards in this game. He had as yeah. many interceptions as he had completions. And it wasn't even like he was trying to fit balls in. It was just no. desperation heaves every time they actually asked him to make a throw in this game. It was hard to watch. Again, it was tough. I've seen this guy rip overs and corners, throwing it on time and stuff. And it's like, it's there. It's there. Like, you know, I've seen this guy play confident. The Tommy DeVito, I know we're talking about Mac Jones, but Tommy DeVito finished with a QBR of 7.4. And somehow Mac Jones had a lower QBR of 7.2. And against the Giants defense, it's like, who can be crazy, but can be gettable as well. And he only took one sack for zero yards. So that means throwing the ball that he was that negative. And it just felt like, you know, you, you see some of the lack of creation, like the interception that he tried to throw, uh, I think it was an angle route to Douglas or like a choice route. Yeah. He's he's getting pressured. He has to assume. And again, that's how he has to play. But again, you see his limitations show up in those types of moments. And But also, like, you watch that offense and they're doing – and this play did work. But you see them doing the fake snap thing, you know, where – Mac Jones jumps in the air, or I think it was Bailey Zappi jumps in the air, and they get the first down short yards, just snap it directly to a running back. It's like, you guys are still doing that shit in 2023? You guys are still doing that? That's number number 12 back there. That's not that play anymore. It's like the fact that they're still doing that, and then they missed the field goal. I was like, that's the Patriots right then there, that they're still doing this stuff, even though their quarterbacks are totally different than Tom Brady was before. Their personnel is totally different. The makeup of their team is different. It's just like, I'm watching the Giants offense with freaking DeVito, doing so much more creative stuff with a guy that they could care less about. I'm sorry, that's mean. But just a guy that they're not He's not part of their develop. plan. He was never not part, part of, their, of plan. their plan. And, and for this that, guy is a first-round pick, and they just don't do anything to help him. This is what I keep coming back to when people start talking about, well, what if Belichick went to Washington? And what if Belichick went here? What happened with Mac Jones over the last two years should disqualify you from being an NFL coach again. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. If I was a fan, and if I was looking at him going to my team, it, or let's say they draft a quarterback. Let's say that yeah. he is yeah. still the coach there, and they draft Drake May or Caleb Williams because they're in a position to do that. You feel good about that? <laughs> you feel good about this group overseeing the career of that next guy? Because what is going to happen? This is going to be inevitable. People are going to look at what Mac Jones has been over the last two years, and he has been bad. Okay. 44 quarterbacks with at least 200 attempts over the last two seasons. He is 40th in EPA per dropback. Here are the guys who are worse. Deshaun Watson, Zach Wilson, Bryce Young, PJ Walker. That's it. He was in the middle of the pack as a rookie. People are going to sit there and say, ah, he just never had it. Mac Jones sucks. He was a bust. He never had it. And even if he never had the ceiling that some of these other guys had, he was a perfectly functional NFL quarterback yep. as a rookie. For them to have the plan they did last season, where they hand-waved this shit with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, and they were just like, oh, we'll figure it out. It's unacceptable. It, it is unacceptable, and it led to what we have seen with the slide that we've seen from this guy. For you to do that to a guy you drafted in the first round that was a perfectly functional player during his first season, it's horrifying what has happened to them. And the process and so many things that they have done has been so bad, and it has, they, they, it has now put them in this moment. Right? I mean, there are times where ah, he's a legendary coach. Things kind of fizzled out in the wrong way. Like he just needs a reset. That's not what this is. There have been so many awful missteps that they have made, especially on the offensive side of the ball and especially with this guy. It's hard for me to see anything else other than malpractice when it comes to this. Yeah. The week one of 2022 against the Dolphins is, again, the game that will always stand out to me. And it's Mac Jones 
flailing around trying to get the place saying get everyone organized. So these guys are like misaligned, trying to get a protection check, gets the protection check right, and two guys botch and he gets sawed in half. And that play is like I felt bad for this guy because he had no chance, even though he was trying at that time. That was week one of twenty twenty two, it was before he was broken. And right there I was like, This is their plan? This is what they're trying to go with. Okay, maybe it'll get better. Like maybe they, they, no way Belichick will do this. Like just let this go. And he let it go. And it got worse. And you're seeing all just all the cracks and all the sides and everything. It felt almost fitting that this, I know we're talking about Mac Jones, but the fitting that was like they lost today or could have tied it on the missed field goal. And it's like how far they've come from Vinatieri. <laughs> like just like that's what happens. It, didn't every Patriots game feel inevitable? It was like, oh, here they come back. Here comes the here comes that winning field goal. They don't make mistakes. And all they do now feels like is they're making mistakes, offense, defense, and special teams. That is just the opposite of what this ethos of this – organization supposed to be so I, I echo what your statement was saying and think about the personnel the guys he was throwing the ball to in this game oh yeah I mean, juju gets four targets he has two catches for 10 yards did you see the catch that jacoby myers made today you see the plays that jacoby myers has made within that raiders offense over the course of the entire year the offensive line the state of the offensive line and what it looks like right now connor mcdermott starting at left tackle you got a i think believe city sounds like a fourth round pick that's starting at right guard. And you've had mm-hmm. so many guys. Michael Onwenu, who looked like a Pro Bowl guard for stretches over the last couple of years. That will bump him out to tackle. We'll see how it goes. Play a bunch of guys that have never played on the interior. They threw the ball to Pop Douglas nine times because he's the only guy with any sort of pop, any sort of juice on the entire team. He is sick though. He is sick. He is a good he is he is a cool player. <laughs> yeah. So that but that's it. Like that yeah, that's that's, that's what they've got. Oh no. So just everything about this All those over the last slants, two years. The big just, slow twitch receivers. It's oh like no God. you gotta be and that's the thing. They they're receivers. He, I can't remember who life. it was. I think it was a Dory Jackson. The first one that they ran, I think it was the Devontae Parker on the first drive, he was yeah. laughing. Yeah. He was laughing that they would try to inside, do that in that moment. Because he had inside, inside shade at 10 yards. So it was they ran a slant route into an inside inside leverage corner against cover zero. So that's the thing. They don't have freedom to run an out route there or a go ball. Uh, yeah, just I uh, know. It's just, what is this? What is this offense supposed to be? It's just so frustrating. And this is it. And so now, this is it. the other impact of this game, the Patriots now have two wins. They are looking real solid. To get one of those top two picks in this draft, potentially, or a top three pick in this draft. The Cardinals are now two and 10. So they're sitting there. Washington has four wins now. The Giants have four wins now. God help me saying this. I think the Bears are playing well enough that they will probably win another game or two in the second half of the season just by but virtue. The Panthers aren't. The pan- <laughs> the, that, that's why I don't care. That, yeah. that, that's why I do not care if the Bears end up with five, six wins because right. as things are currently going, I'm feeling really nice about the way that the Carolina Panthers look. I kind of – we'll get to this in a little bit. It's not what we're talking about. But okay. the Patriots are sitting there and they are very likely going to be t- picking in the top three of this draft with the way that things are heading. And I just don't know who's going to oversee that entire process. I don't know. That's insane to think about. But that's it's how it feels, though. It's not. It's like the fact that we're talking about this does not feel like any. Like this feels so deserved <laughs> about where where how this is all gone, how this all feels right now. All right, it's time for the Sunday Notebook. Let's do a little roundup of some other stuff we saw today. Kyron Williams have a day. Mm-hmm. Two hundred yards from scrimmage on twenty-two touches, two touchdowns, third one hundred-yard game in his last four that he has been healthy. He looks fantastic within this offense, and this offense in general was just humming in this game, and now 
the Rams, <laughs> come hell or high water, right. somehow are still in this conversation now at five and six. Yeah, uh, another offense that's uh, Nate approved. Two thumbs up. Uh, this is the how they're using. Well, not only Kyron Williams, it's Kyron Williams is the ultimate trust the tape like example of more than anyone because he was a stud at Notre Dame. Uh, my comparison firm was James White. Uh, and because I just thought, oh, he's going to be a good pass catching back. You know, he's going to be just nice, solid running back. If you look, it's just like his fundamentals. He is like what I talk about, like Dak with quarterbacks. That's like mm-hmm. him kind of like the running backs. Him and like David Montgomery, just always square to shoulder, like shoulders square to the line of scrimmage as they like kind of cut back and forth, hit the hole with the right tempo. And then you see him open up and you're like, oh yeah, there's that four seven, uh, as he, try- <laughs> as he tries to run away. <laughs> but it's like, hey, that up until about 18 yards, he's good to go. But. I love this Rams run game because they they know the meta right now. The best run concept in the NFL right now is duo. And I'm not saying that as a joke. Again, that is what is the best against what defenses are trying to do with all the funky looks. The Rams have figured that out. So they're trying to figure out every different which way to get to duo, which is just at you run game. And Kyron Williams is really good at it. But watching the, how they use P- Puka Nakua, this is like Skarsgård plus now. Puka Nakua is like, they're getting to like fullback looks out of 11 where they just motion him and have him basically lead block. It's like, yeah, this is the, <laughs> this offense like really rocks. Like this outside zone bunch heavy team has turned into a slot heavy eye formation out of 11 personnel team. So it's, it's 11, like 21, seven, 11, like 12, but yeah, big, big two thumbs up about what the Rams are doing right now. I love one of my favorite things about the 2017, 2018 Rams was the screen game. Their screen yeah. game was unbelievable. When they were humming with Gurley, all of those play action screens, there was this entire idea. This is the foundation of like the Sean McVay offense in version 1.0. Illusion of complexity. Okay. Things are going to unfold the exact same way every single early down. It is either going to be a zone run, a boot, or a screen off of that play action. We could do one of those three things. That was enough in 2018 football. 2017 football to ruin teams. <laughs> this, this is how far defense has come in the last five years, which we've discussed. But they hit so many running back screens to Gurley. Go look up Todd Gurley's receiving stats in like 2017. Awesome. It's crazy. And they went away from that for the most part over the last couple of years. The running back just was not a part of their passing game for the most part. And whether that was personnel or just the design of the offense, you just didn't see much of it. Today, Watching some of those screen designs to Kyron Williams, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're back, baby. Like, this is really fun to watch. And then one more shout-out on the Rams before we move on. I, there are so many little moves that teams have made personnel-wise that have come up huge. We've talked about a bunch of them on this show. George Fant getting signed by the Texans and him being able to provide them quality right tackle play allowing Titus Howard to play guard when they've had injuries on the interior. I know Titus Howard got hurt today. Huge move. The Rams trading for Kevin Dotson on the eve of the trade deadline and being able to just plug him in as their starting right guard, that dude has been awesome. He wiped out a guy on that Kyron Williams touchdown today. He has been so good. And for him to be a guy they got on Labor Day weekend, essentially, the Rams personnel staff, has done a phenomenal job yeah. over the last 12 months or so. The draft, obviously, what they've done, Nakua, Byron Young, all the guys they found. But getting that and making that move right on the eve of the season has been quietly important just for the construction of their offense. Yeah. Self-scout and opponent scout and basically learning 
learning what the league's going to and being creative. I think as far as offense and defense, I think Raheem Morris is doing a nice job given what his personnel is and also just the personnel should staff. be in the head coach I, I, conversation again this yes. offseason. He but 100% all, should be. I think the Rams definitely ate their vegetables <laughs> and their fruit this offseason. I think the entire building and I think they are reaping some of the benefits of like real a hard work because what they've done is a lot of hard work. They are playing with house money right now in the sense that this was not supposed to be a competitive year. I think their over-under was like six wins. They're supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league. Now they're in the wild card conversation and one game out of the seventh seed in the NFC. Another team in that same sort of discussion that is worth hitting on, even though they played on Thanksgiving, feeling the exact same way about the Packers right now. Mm-hmm. Packers are five and six with the youngest offense in the entire league. Their quarterback is playing really good football. And now you have these two five and six teams with their own individual LeFleur brother that are knocking potentially on the door of the NFC playoff picture in a year where it seemed at times, whether it was before the year for the Rams or it stretches during the year for the Packers, when this might have been a lost season. So hard not to just be soaking in the vibes if you root for either one of these teams right now. Featuring, yeah, two trick shot artist quarterbacks uh just yeah jordan love though has seen the game really well that thanksgiving performance was fantastic but this is what that's been built or the last month and a half monthish that's really been building to that they're getting kind of cohesion on the offensive line the young guys are starting to get better Jaden reed looks like a stud um christian Watson had a long, big game yep. holding on to the ball uh tucker craft steps up he's really come along this last month as luke musgrave kind of battles a spleen i believe a lacerated spleen i lacerated my kidney in high school it sucked um but yeah so i i know that pain it's awful uh my junior year i got i got rocked until i started gaining weight my senior year i got i took some hard hits in high school uh but their young guys are coming along offense and defense so i i feel good about the packers because that quarterback jordan love is playing really good football right now and like Packers fans should feel really good especially how they how it felt maybe about six weeks ago because how he's seeing the game again feels sustainable it's not just the highs with the trick shots right now there can be some big games in the NFC North down the stretch of this season I mean if you're wanting one of those teams to make the playoffs Packer fans gonna be watching that Vikings Bears game tomorrow with yeah pretty watchful eye I will be as well but there's an awesome fatal four way back in the day with WWF. So it was Chris Jericho, what time hold on. Is it? Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, and uh, a, a guy I can't name because of stuff that happened. And then X Pac. But it really feels like the Bears are like X Pac in, in that little, like, kind of like all these like world class wrestlers. The other it's three. either the nicest or meanest thing you could say about the Chicago Confident, Bears right now. Doing some fun things, but also like, oh, you're still doing the Kung Fu stuff in 2001. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, I, I think that's what, what that kind of feels like with the AFC North. Yeah, what time is it? 9.50. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We already talked about the Steelers without Matt Canada. Yeah. No, no, no reason to kind of keep Check. digging into that and keep picking that scab. <laughs> Rasheed Rice breakout game, in your opinion? Eight catches, 10 targets, 107 yards. How are you feeling about the Rasheed Rice game as the Chiefs kind of try to find themselves offensively? I feel like more it was like a Chiefs coaching staff understanding their personnel breakout game. Uh, I think uh, Rasheed Rice ran nothing but crossers and screens. Uh, it was crossers, receiver screen, gave chip help, got a little check down there, but uh, hit you go at the end of the game. So I was great ball skills. That's how I remember him at SMU. But it, was the the ball o- it was the only play he made in structure field. in the entire game. Yeah. It was the, 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 the double move on the outside. The yeah. only other time they tried to throw him the ball within like the rhythm of a play, he dropped it. 
yeah. then it was all the crossers and out of schedule, crossers. off schedule plays. The guy That's is it. clearly talented, yeah. but I don't see this as some sort of turning of the page. Maybe in terms of usage, yeah. but I still feel like there's a long way to go for him yes. to be an integrated part of who they are offensively. Is what I'll I say. I think it. I think it's just the route running is going to come in practice, but how they used him in this game makes more sense for his skill set. I think the most important thing of this Chiefs game today was how their run game looked. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's the biggest takeaway. And uh, also shout out to the, the toughness of Max Crosby. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of stats about doubtful injury designations I read today, uh, which I was not expecting to read in week 12 of 2023. But yeah, it was, shout out to Max Crosby and his toughness as well. One other guy I wanted to shout out in what was a huge win for the Falcons, they don't win this game without Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates makes two monstrous plays in the red zone. And what I said in the moment that the interception happened, the pick six happened, it was like an Ed Reed sort of play. Like some of those picks down in that area where you get an interception, corners are breaking on routes where their guy is the one who's targeted. It's a tipped ball. It's an overthrow. Go back and watch that play. He is the center field safety sitting there near the goalpost he reads it the entire way, comes all the way down and picks off a slant and takes it to the house. And every single person was like, well, Derek Carr was staring it down. Sure. But it's yeah. not a linebacker yeah. making that play. No. He's playing as the center field safety. Yeah. It was a sick play. Jesse Bates is playing like an all pro this year. Like, and if you're wondering if the Bengals miss him, they do. Uh, also, people overrate the whole staring down thing. Yeah. Quarterback, NFL quarterbacks have to because it happens in two seconds. What do you think happens? There's only certain plays that look off. Happen like Josh Allen giving a little shoulder shimmery, shoulder shimmy, like shoulder shimmery, the shoulder shimmery, shoulder shimmery, sure, 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 she shells, she shells. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that happens because it's down the field, like quick game stuff is boom, boom. There's not a lot of looking off happening, so it was just a great play by him. And then he punched the other ball out, punched it out. Nothing um, cheap about that one either. He's been fantastic all year. He uh, he's been a really really good player. It's the other, it's Richie Grant that kind of gets targeted of their little duo back there. <laughs> it's a, it's like the non AJ Trail, non Jesse Bates uh, DBs for the Falcons that kind of kind of get picked on. Well, the other element of this game for Atlanta, I mean, again, it's some tough turnovers. You know, Desmond Ritter, I think was was fine. I think there's some stuff to yeah. build on from that game. But the other really impressive part to me was what they looked like in the four-minute drill today. They were unbelievable in that stretch. So they get the ball. The Saints kick a field goal, which that's what the Saints did today is the Saints kicked field goals. But the Saints kick a field goal at 624 Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter. From there, Bijan for four, Algier for 12, Algier for four, Algier for nine, Bijan for nine, false start, doesn't matter. Algier for 12 more, and then CPAT for a couple more runs. So they chew off a good four and a half minutes of clock during that stretch before kicking a field goal. But their ability to just run the ball consistently in those moments and their ability to assert themselves on the ground today was impressive. As the quarterback tries to find himself, find some confidence, the way that they could kind of really inflict their will in the most important part in the game, I think was really, really cool to see. Stop me if you heard this before. Ritter played well, except for some turnovers. Uh, But I I thought the Saints field goal decision was just like, why? Uh, The the Falcons, before that that drive you're talking about, they just ripped off a nine-play drive for for a touchdown where you could tell that they were definitely clicking. Uh, They went to just the zone runs, inside zone, outside zone, split zone, a zone, two, three zone, one, one, three, one zone. <laughs> uh, but that, that's what the, that the Falcons got it. And I'm like, shout out to Caleb McGarry. Uh, he kept hooking 
the DNs for the Saints. And that's why they just kept getting to the outside. The Falcons just had so many runs go up the sideline, all to the right, if you notice, because he was really doing a nice job hooking. So shout out, he had a really nice game today, I thought. Um, but yeah, the Falcons had a did a 19% explosive pass, rush, and play rate today. They were they were gashing them. And like you said, that that four-minute drive was just run after run after run. They didn't overthink it, but they got to different personnel groupings and they found a run that worked for them. It was what you want to see out of this Falcons team. Uh like that's what why I get high on them at sometimes. Yeah, I, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's obviously that battle is gonna be worth monitoring yeah. down the stretch. And the Saints have their moments. Chris Olave looked really good in the first half of yeah. this game before getting oh, hurt. So got banged up, man. So, I mean, oh. it's, so it's again, it's kind of a, a pillow fight for who's gonna win that division, but I, I still feel pretty good about some of the things the Falcons are doing, and I just am more interested in them when Ritter is playing. So last thing to keep an eye on here. The Panthers losing today, the way the Panthers lost today, the way their offense continues to look. It just feels like we should be monitoring what's going to happen with Frank Gregg. I think there was a reporter. I, I'm again. I apologize. I couldn't remember who it was. Apparently, Tepper's just yelling "fuck" when he walks out of the locker room today. Like it, it's, it's good. Things are devolving there in a pretty obvious way. So I would Same not boo be surprised. Boo Ernst. Boo Ernst. That's. <laughs> I wish Puka Nakua was on the Rams. Could be like Fuka. That's what he's going with. Bravo. So. <laughs> It's, it's 1 a.m. That's all we got today. Sincerely appreciate you guys checking us out. Please come back and listen to Kiefer and the Beats. This week, Daniel Popper, who covers the Chargers for us, coming on to chat about another situation where some seats are probably getting a little bit warm out there in Los Angeles. Brooks Kubina. I believe that's how you pronounce it. He's our new Eagles writer. I don't, I haven't met Brooks yet, oh, but Brooks, yeah, okay. so he is, he's covering the Eagles for us. He's going to come on and chat about that huge Eagles win against the Bills today and James Boyd covers the Colts for us coming on to chat about this feel-good Indianapolis Colts team led by a guy in Shane Steichen who's doing a really nice job. For mm-hmm. now, though, that is all we've got. Please do me a favor, just a couple favors, if you guys have time this week. is Consider it a holiday gift to me. This, this is your Black Friday purchase for the Athletic Football Show. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. If you've listened to it over the last few years and you like what we've done, just let us know. You know, it does make a difference and it would mean a lot to me personally uh, if you would just leave a little comment on there. Me leave too. us five stars again. I just really, really appreciate just taking a few minutes if you've enjoyed all of the time that we've given you guys over the years. And if you like – if you watch on YouTube, please like, subscribe to the channel. You know, we've been trying to do our best to grow the YouTube channel here over the last couple of years. If you're someone who watches these shows or any of the other content that we put out on YouTube, please just like and subscribe because it would go a long way for us. Sincerely appreciate it. Sincerely appreciate all of you tuning in and everyone that's listening. As always, we will talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.